Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. I just got a little update that saying this meeting is being recorded. That must mean this is serious. It's time to get live. That, that was that was new. Time to get down to business. I that, I like it. That's what my phone recording does every time, like my app that I use, every time that I'm calling like the recruits to do interviews and stuff, it announces the recording. But that was that was pretty wild. It might be the fact, you know, kind of the uh the small fine print like hey by the way you're being recorded here like it's Khalil- on the screen right there <laughs> rec with the flashing red dot well like- i i will say when i got you guys up in the thumbnail up there in the corner although you're looking good chad up there in the thumbnail there's nothing telling me that it's being recorded so i see maybe. it well in the thumbnail I, I, I some of us have two screens oh okay you're doing the dual screen very nice yeah. Yeah, some of us don't have the new apartment and the new, you know, million dollar two screens. But hey, Aaron, Aaron Smith, that brings me to how are we doing? Well, uh, I thought of you guys this weekend. I went to Finley Market. Oh, wow. I, so you thought first about time? Thought about not, no, not the first time. But first time since I lived down here. What'd you first get? Time, first time post pandemic. OK, what'd, what'd you, you get? get? Well, it was like three o'clock and everyone was like kind of packing up stuff. And so I didn't really. I didn't really plan it out well enough to hit everything while it was kind of in like full thrive, but uh, I still like just walked around, smelled the smells, and took. So it you didn't? You went to Finley Market and you didn't buy anything? That's correct. Yes. So so you I failed. Epic epic fail. Gosh. You didn't even get gelato. I didn't even get gelato. No. Nothing to like munch on. No 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 snacks. Not nothing. We we Not- were. Go- I was going to meet my mom and and her boyfriend for dinner, oh. like shortly thereafter. Fair enough. We went. Where'd we did go, go down to Holy Grail. Oh. So where you went to dinner? Yeah, I swear. Did, did you get the Reuben wontons? I didn't get any of the Reuben wontons. I got the burger that has like the uh, the corn salsa and the jalapenos. And I feel like that's always Chad's next question is if you got the Reuben wontons. That's Kelly's. That's Kelly's go-to. It's not right. mine. Right. Right. But she loves them. Yeah. I got the tots I, with the nacho cheese. The oh. loaded. The loaded tots. That's no, that's that's. Just, Oh, just the nacho cheese. Just, That's I it. mean, the tots came with the the burger, and then I just added a side of nacho cheese with it. Yeah. Diet starts next week, right? That's uh no. That's always my mantra. Always my mantra. But yeah. I'd start never. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Probably never though. You know, it's kind of like what uh what Wes said in the BCJ pod. I thought that was a subtle subtle dig at you, but it was funny. It was. Oh, of funny. course it was. It was funny. <laughs> Look at me. Do you think I care? No, not one bit. Not one bit. But speaking of West Miller. Fire up a heater. I know, right? You did. Speaking of uh, West Miller, there is one small thing I want to open and close real fast just because it was newsworthy, noteworthy. And that was what Friday news dump popped off on Friday, you know, and it's it was an interesting timing because I saw a poster on the board did say, you know, a Friday news dump is something that you sometimes want to just kind of. Trying to bury gloss it. over, yeah, bury it. But uh, Tom Mars and everyone, as you can see, they they don't want to bury anything. They want to muddy things up. So them dropping this on Friday, just the fact that you know John Brandon officially filed a federal lawsuit. Federal lawsuit, the keyword federal there, um, against AD John Cunningham and President Neville Pinto, uh, and then it it just went on to continue that it's he's suing both. John Cunningham on a official and individual capacity, which is 
another interesting thing to dive into there. Right. I would, I would, I would think it would have to be a federal lawsuit because it's against a state funded school. Right. Well, that then Brandon lives in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a divide there on like where you would have it, where the jurisdiction would be. So that's, that, that would be why they filed it federal. What what I I found, what I found most interesting in all of it is like the fact that he requested a jury trial. Yeah. That was was another main thing. You have to request a jury trial or, or you automatically get a bench trial. Now that doesn't mean it will be a jury trial, but you like in order to even have it on the table, you have to request it. Um, I don't think they would want anything to do with a jury personally. I mean, I I think you would, if you're dealing with the the technicalities, the legalities that they're dealing with, you're, you're, when you deal with the jury, you're dealing with emotions, human nature. Um, I don't, I, I just personal, I don't think you'd want anything to do with the jury, but it's, I think it's one of those things where you have to request it for it to even be, uh, on the table. But my guess is it'll end up being a bench trial, but we'll, we'll see. You think it actually gets to trial and doesn't just end as as a settlement or is, are both sides so dug in at this point that they're just not, no one's going to give. I keep waiting for somebody to give, but I, we haven't seen an inkling of it yet. And I like from some stuff I've heard behind the scenes of what could be coming in terms of like mudslinging and allegations and throwing stuff around. It doesn't seem like anybody's backing down. Uh, I, I think it would be wise for everybody to stand down and, and find a middle ground and, and end this thing. But it doesn't feel like we're headed in that direction, even though I think it should. Yeah. I, Chad, along with your with your jury trial, I completely agree because I think I can think of, you know, three people that could get up and, and testify that would immediately swing certain jury members one way or the other. And I, it just I think that Tom Mars is not the type of person that would be lobbying fully for a jury trial. I think, like you said, he's going to be more focused on the legalities and the the. Find finer things here and there that uh, they can. Brandon reported to, and right. and you know, there's a lot of different like little technicalities that he's going to be looking to to get Brandon, uh, you know, off on. And I I I don't know that a jury trial helps you with that. Well, what about the big thing that broke as far as uh, the Mason Madsen? You should get a lawyer. We got the power back. All of that ridiculousness. Like, even if it is like, let's go completely hypothetical. Say it is true. Who cares? Cares. Who cares? Yeah. Like, what is that? Pr- it doesn't prove anything, really, in my estimation. Like, not in a, not anything that's going to get you paid by the university. A five- it was some big, a big conspiracy by Mason and Tari. Tari left. Right. right. <laughs> and he left. And he Mason was not coming back. Mason was one of the players that was openly talking to New Mexico and openly, you know, reaching out and, and, and seeing what options were out there. Obviously, he did decide to come back. He was, and, he, but, he was probably two days away from leaving. Right. What people don't know, the day of Wes Miller's press conference, he had a Zoom set up with Butler. Butler was coming after him pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And that thing had started to get pretty far down the road. Like, 
if, if this would have drug out probably another three, four days, I think Mason Madsen would be going to Butler next year. Well, and if it was all about the power, wouldn't you think his own brother would have wanted to be around for it? Right. Like if you're the ones who have the control control and finger quotes, you can't see them if you're not in the zoom call here, but like if they're really looking for the control of this whole situation, why would your brother have left and gone to Utah? If you had potentially the chance to get the power back, like what are we, what are we doing here? This whole thing is madness. I, I, I have no interest in any of it. If we're being perfectly honest, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care. Like I cover Cincinnati, Wes Miller's the coach at Cincinnati. Right. Like that, that, that stuff to me is, is water under the bridge. Like that's, that's for them to figure out their lawyers to figure out on each side. Yeah. The outcome of it doesn't impact me and, and what I do day to day at all. So I, I just don't care. That's kind of where I'm at. Why would you even tell the kid that he needs to get a lawyer though? Like, are you going to sue him personally? Like, are we just suing everyone? Are we just, I think that was, just I think that was Mars trying to be funny and it's not a time for funny. Like, it just sounds like we're throwing spaghetti at the wall here, hoping that something sticks at some point or another. Like, well, if, yeah. you sue, if you sue 40 people, you're bound to hit one, right? Yeah, I guess. I think he just got he's got, you know, trigger happy fingers, especially <laughs> on Twitter and red borders. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious with that. And I, I'm with Chad on this. You know, it, it is. It just seems as if this is the next step of what John Brannon is trying to do, obviously, and, and not really resurrecting his career. Cause I think this is obviously just another like, Oh wow. What is, what's, what's this next step publicly coming out what different career? things of that sort. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I, it's something that they're going to get figured oh. out. I don't think it will maybe hit a trial. I don't, I'm sure, I'm sure some sort of a, you know, agreements will come, hopefully sooner rather than later so that we don't have to hear these random Friday news dumps that take place after just the thrill of a month and a half of, of Wes Miller and his opening air. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with Chad on this. Just, just get it over with and behind closed doors. As, as somebody who's working radio though, all week, you got to enjoy it that you have, you know, some fodder for, just I didn't. I didn't. I didn't spend one second on it today. No, <laughs> I had two hours of radio today. I didn't spend one second on it. I, I just don't care. As opposed to a certain columnist for a newspaper yeah, I, who I, I don't can't get enough of this. That just seems probably just the next step in the saga that is going on in the background, while in the forefront is a resurgence and a uh, re- hopeful return to excellence, which is what's going on with Wes Miller. So. Aaron, I, I mean, this is, this is something that I feel like we'll get another. There's something else will come down the pipe for sure. Yeah. We'll get, you know, a couple of weeks from now, you know, Chad said, it seems as if this is not even close to being the ending of all this. So, you know, if, you, if this is your kind of thing, stay tuned. There's probably more to come. Twitter people. I, this is also when, when the people that live on Twitter find these little inklings and, and who's got a burner here, who's got a burner there. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, Aaron, I'm, I've been searching for your burner for like three weeks. I can't find me, it. I, me too. I don't know the login. <laughs> exactly. That's the worst thing about your burner. You I'm make just kidding. I, I don't actually have a burner. Who has time for that noise? Well, if, if there's one thing people know about me, I have no use for a burner. No, I just you, say it. You are the burner. Yeah, I am my burner. I just say it. I like somebody who had a, a B Fox burner that literally named it B Fox burner account. <laughs> I think that's the actual handle. <laughs> hey, you know what? 
Sometimes people say if you get a burn, oh, Chad, you had a burner, but it wasn't you controlling it though. Yeah. Brad Chendle. The Brad Chendle. <laughs> Some things are just best left on, on mute. Right, right. But this just oozes to me. Just another news, just one to, wanting to make it seem relevant still, obviously on the side of John Brandon and, and Tom Mars, not wanting this well, no, to go it's just, into the wind. It, and then for this step, to happen, for this to happen, they had to file a lawsuit. Right. So they, right. they filed the lawsuit. Next step. And then those two being who they – Tom Mars pretty much being who he is will be the one that will want to push into the forefront and, and try and do the other picks and prods like you said, Aaron, kind of, you know, saying hi, you know, lawyer up this, that, and the other. So I think it's Brett, just the next step. Want to move Brett, on. Brett, I means- like your sippy cups. <laughs> yes. Got to, got to prepare for the evening battle against the children. So uh, you have to have the proper, proper weapons. Wow. So just like that, right when we were getting ready to close the book, we opened one up with uh, Overweiss chocolate milk and yes. a throwback university of Cincinnati shirt. That must mean it's none other than Brett Stein. Brett, how are we? I'm doing okay. We're uh, we're between all the different things that come about this time of year in terms of AAU and the start of something in terms of uh, 2022 and 2023. And uh, I, I think I think the roster's about set though. So it's been a whirlwind couple of weeks for for everybody, myself included. So I'm happy to have a little downtime here while Chad gets his uh, road trip on and uh, have some high school recruits to talk to for a change. Chad getting his road trip on. I, that, that's one of Chad's favorite things. And now that he's got the uh, Brendel Bites, which I don't know if you tuned in, Brett. Uh, he, him and his his daughter, she got a budding star. And I'm not talking about Chad. I, I did I did subscribe and liked, and I did I did watch because he he called me from his car on his way back from the store when they bought all the equipment to do that podcast. And uh, Chad was very. Uh, my son was in the car at the same time, and and he he told me that his daughter once bought like a thousand dollars worth of Robux on his credit card when she was younger. So these kids and their and their video and stuff. But I mean, I think uh, I think it's a good idea. It's a very very cool activity, and you know how much Chad loves food. I, I do love food. I'm a big yes. fan. Food is very tasty. But Brett, yeah, we were just uh, wrapping up the whole, you know, news saga that dropped on Friday regarding you know John Brandon and the lawsuits and everything of that sort. But it's time to move on. You know, it's time to talk about Wes Miller and, and what he's got brewing in store. And, and you've been on the forefront, obviously, BCJ all over the coverage with the new additions kind of just talk about because obviously Chad, myself, Aaron, we've all really expanded on the first month and a half and just really how crazy it's been the success that Wes Miller has seemed to have so far. Oh, for sure. And I, I think what one thing you notice, and, and I think the parallels that have been drawn a bit on Bearcat Journal and certainly apply is when you talk about football recruiting and how much the players that they're recruiting mentioned their position coaches and the coordinators and Luke Fickle and how much the coaches have an impact and where the program is in terms of the players they've been able to bring in the last couple of classes. That's the same sense I get in talking to these recruits and transfers when, when they talk about coach Miller and his staff, which is a tremendous staff from top to bottom. And I just think that really resonates and having that kind of magnetic personality at the top of your program you know, Chad alluded to it on social media recently, too, where when you have those kinds of coaches running your two flagship programs, 
you know, that's a big deal. And it's, it's going to be uh, the next couple of years could be a really exciting ride for Bearcat fans uh, in terms of on the field and on the court. And, and of course, in uh, recruiting as well. Now, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but I think that you see such a stark difference between when John Brandon came in and just kind of the uh, Island of Misfit toys he had with his assistant coaches and the staff that Coach Miller, like just the time and diligence that both Cunningham put into the, the West Miller hiring and then the time and diligence that in turn West Miller put into hiring his own staff. So, I mean, what have you seen on your end there that just in kind of talking with some of, you know, just the, the staff as they've come in and, and what have you? One thing that really stood out to me is when he lined up, you know, Mike Roberts and, uh, you know, Andre Morgan, those were two coaches who were with Wes at UNC Greensboro for a while. And then they went to other schools and then they, they, they're kind of reuniting. So to have that working relationship with guys like that, and certainly Chris Lepore, who's probably going to be the top ops guy and was a bench coach the last couple of years uh, under Wes at UNCG, to have three of those guys there pretty much from, you know, pretty soon after West got hired, let him hit the ground running with guys he knows and trusts. And then to swing for the fences uh, and, and bring in a guy like Chad Dell, who's got such high level SEC recruiting experience and player development experience and coaching experience. I mean, it's just got uh, everything you need in terms of regions, connections, and, and guys that have been at high major programs. And I think that was one of the big knocks on John Brandt's staff is that, once they didn't get a certain coach uh, from an SEC school, it just seemed like they didn't have any high-level uh, recruiters on staff, and that and that kind of ended up, uh, you know, hurting them in the end. You know, Brett, you've you've covered recruiting for quite a while, especially with the Bearcats. So, what do you think it kind of says, especially with the current atmosphere, how it's you know the entire transfer portal and everything that goes into that? What do you think it really says about the allegiance that some of these players have to Wes Miller? You know, whether it be you know, Hayden Koval, who who was with him for one year and comes over, or two freshmen deciding that they want to continue the length of their career with Wes over in Cincinnati. You know, what does it kind of just say about what Wes is able to instill in these kids, especially in a time where you really can hop around whenever you want? I mean, I think the the main word that pops out from talking to those players that came that are coming over is that they really trust Coach Miller and the fact that they could have gone elsewhere or stayed in the portal longer was a really big deal. So they chose to stick with coach Miller and they believe in the vision and, and, and he believes in them that they play at this level versus the UNC Greensboro level in the, in the Southern conference. And I think when you add in some of the other players they've gotten um, to, to round out the rest of the class, you kind of see that pre-distant relationships and, and players that knew the staff and the coaches from before he got hired at Cincinnati really helped them close the book on, on two of the top available big man transfers um, in, in Odie Oglama and uh, Abdul Addo. Now you bring up Odie and, and Addo. Were you surprised by any of the additions that they've, the staff's been able to put together in such a quick amount of time here? Because, I mean, we went from not sure if we were going to be able to field a starting five to all of a sudden we've filled every spot on the roster, including – a walk-on who's been announced. I don't know if it's formally announced at this point or not, if he's signed his, uh, it's, it's not, it's not a, the, the, the high school coach jumped the gun, but he still has to meet with Wes Miller. I, I think it's, it's probably going to happen, okay. but it has not happened yet. That was a high school coach. I think getting, uh, a little excited and maybe getting a little ahead of himself. So, uh, <laughs> things are moving towards that direction but the walk-on is far from a uh, done deal yet. 
Sorry, I'd only seen some of the stuff this morning around my lunch break, so I didn't you know. Should, you, should, you should try reading BearcatJournal.com. It's a great source of information on all things you see Bearcats and recruiting. Oh, wow, Chad. Very nice. There you have it, folks. Um, I, I think with Odio Guama, the staff, um, you know, Wes, they recruited him at UNCG before he took a prep year. He did a prep year up at Woodstock Academy uh, in Connecticut and got some bigger offers. And having that, I think with the transfer portal, you'll see if kids decide pretty quickly where to go once they go into the portal, schools and staffs that recruited that player prior to wherever they ended up, those connections are going to be extremely big. And I think you're going to see a big shift in how recruiting is going to happen. I saw something on Twitter this afternoon which said, you know, a high major coach from a top 40 program is like, I'm not even going to really recruit high school kids very much going forward. I could just go into the portal to get a player that I, I could see video and stats of against college competition versus rolling the dice on high school players. Obviously, the, the top players will get recruited, but you're going to see a lot more players that maybe could have gone to bigger schools, end up at lower schools, and then maybe transfer up in a couple of years. And I think schools are going to start using that as like a testing ground to see if those players are good enough to, to play at their school's level. I, to add to expand on that, Brett, and, I, and I've talked to quite a bit of coaches on this as well. And, and I agree, to but to take it even one step further, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see coaches have their top guys and their must-get guys, and then they're just not going to – they're not going to take this, the next step after those guys. Like, they're going to have the top of their board, and they're going to say, we're going to go after these guys. Uh, and if they can't get these guys or, you know, whatever happens and then things fall through – they're just not going to take the second step and say, okay, these guys are out. Now here's the next group of guys in high school that we're recruiting. They're just going to say, all right, we'll get it from the portal. Now, that, to, add to, to add to that, Chad, now would that also raise the possibility where if the school is going to take a player they thought might take a year or two to develop, rather than have them go to that school, develop for a couple of years, and then just end up transferring elsewhere and using that whatever school that you, you know, took them as like a second choice, use them as like a breeding ground to kind of – improve themselves and end up transferring somewhere they're going to play a lot more too versus just the lower level schools getting guys and then transfer up too. Well, and so do you think that in the long run hurts or helps like the JUCO programs? JUCO doesn't matter. I mean, I, I guess, it, you know, right now though, JUCO doesn't really have any relevance. I think what it's going to help more than anything are the prep schools because kids I think are just going to prep. They're going to say, look, if I can't get what I want, I'm going to go do a fifth year somewhere. Uh, Brewster Academy or, you know, like, one, of, like one of the NEPSAC schools like Davenport did at Hargrave. Uh, that was more, it was some that, that he wanted bigger than Wright State, but some of that was, was getting, you know, a lot of times JUCO or prep schools were go get your grades in order and then, you know, come back when you're ready. I think you're going to see a lot of kids saying, I, I didn't get what I want. So uh, I'm going to go to prep for a year and see if I can continue to, to raise that stock level. So in, not, go ahead, Aaron. I was just gonna say to not have to waste the year of eligibility. Yeah, yeah. But but also, I, then if you, if you go that prep school route, then you could still go to one of the schools then that that you were hoping to recruit you, and even if things don't go well, then you can still use that one time transfer. So it just seems as if I don't know. It, it's going to be a very weird thing to really grasp hold of especially when these first few seasons i think it's going to kind of find its level initially you know after a couple of seasons but for now it's, it's definitely going to be a weird weird thing but brett kind of uh talking about style of play you were able to to see kind of the, the recruits that the previous regime went after and kind of it, it it seemed as if 
the whole big black hole was definitely rim protection. And that uh, it, it seems as if were you kind of able to think maybe Wes Miller took a look at the, the roster and what they were able to do last season and then said, wow, I need to go get some rim protection. Or do you think that's just more what his style of play is? Uh, I definitely think it's a style of play thing for, for him. I mean, obviously bringing in Hayden Koval, who's the, I believe the current uh, leader in active block shots in, in the NCAA and again, Chad has made that point uh, on social media and on Bearcat Journal. I think he 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 values rim protection the way he wants to play defense. He'll mix he'll mix up his defenses a little bit. But having a player like that who's who's been in college for four years, he's a thirty four percent career three point shooter. He's he's in the mid to upper seventies from the foul line. He's not a guy that needs the ball a lot to impact the game, and he has an elite skill in shot blocking. And he's played four years of college. And Abdul Addo has been in college for five years. He registered his first year and played pretty much started every game in his career at Mississippi State. He's played over 130 games in the SEC. And is that he averaged, I think, 1.9 or two blocks a game in his career. So just combined between those two players, you're looking at almost 600 career blocks. So having that experience and then having two di- very different players, and then Odio Guama is not quite as tall as those two, but he's you know just as strong and has two or three more years left to play. You see the need for experience up front. And then also having a player that has some upside still in Oklahoma and has a couple of years left to play. So I think for how Wes wants to play, he can mix and match. And in this league, if you want to win this conference and be in the top three, you have to play against Houston and Memphis. And they have big athletic players that Cincinnati really struggled with the last two seasons. So you touched on the bigs a little bit. What of these new pieces? Uh, and I mean, I guess you could even talk about recurring pieces. Like who are you most excited about seeing how they gel with this new regime and uh, what step they take going from last year to this year. I mean, I think it's a pretty well-known thing in college sports where, especially in basketball players make their biggest jump from their freshman season to their sophomore season. And you saw that last year with Jeremiah Davenport. So for me, you know, seeing a fully healthy Mike Saunders jr. And kind of getting the, um, you know, kind of tapping the brakes a little bit on some of his uh, incredible open court speed and having the game slow down for him a little bit and the way he can really pressure out on the perimeter. I'm really excited to see what he could do in, in, uh, in Coach Miller's schemes on both ends of the floor. Mason Madsen, you know, missed the first, I think, six games of his freshman season and, and then kind of just got, you know, dumped out there, giving him a full offseason and preseason regimen to kind of really find his shooting stroke and where he fits on both sides of the ball. Those two players excite me. And then of the two freshman players coming over from Greensboro, Jared Hensley's a combo forward. He was a pretty highly recruited player. I think his ability to stretch the floor and play the three and the four spots will make him a very interesting piece going forward because Coach Miller loves guys that can play multiple positions. And A.J. McGinnis has the kind of outside shooting and scoring ability that you can really use. And, and maybe those two guys won't play a ton of minutes this year, but I think those four – will give you kind of an interesting way because they're all, you know, players with potentially four years of eligibility next to see how they develop as, as pieces and guys that can score and, and create and are they're potentially the foundation of the program going forward. You know, Brett, so when you kind of were able to look at the team, as you mentioned, all these new pieces coming in and whatnot, but you mentioned off season, you know, what, what they can do to improve from one season to the next. And a lot of that is strength and conditioning. And you were able to cover recruiting, during Mike Rayfeld's, you know, first long tenure here at Cincinnati, what did you kind of see with all the commits? Just mentioning Mike Rayfeld, the Monster Factory, and different things of that sort. How big of a piece to the recruiting do you think that really is? You know, a couple of years ago, when I 
first started talking to recruits and players in the transfer portal, um, you know, the, the, the last season Coach Ray felt was here, a lot of players that took visits that didn't end up coming to Cincinnati went out of their way to mention Coach Rayfelt. So I think his impact, his reputation, his program to really use specific exercises to help players improve on the court, not just bulk them up to the point where they're not really the player they want to be, is pretty well known. So having him back in the fold is really going to help because I think, again, with the truncated offseason and, and uh preseason last year you know to, to see all these guys be able to get on campus I think they're coming the next couple of weeks and to have that off-court work is almost just as important as the on-court work in the summer so that's going to be extremely valuable coach Rayfelt loves Cincinnati I'm super pumped he's back I mean when you talk about the staff that coach Miller put together and then you bring Rayfelt back I mean how, how do you top that it's it's set the fan base into a frenzy and for for good reason so who's going to benefit the most from having Rayfelt back do you think uh, a couple of the guys that I'm really looking at in terms of impact are, are Micah Adams-Woods. I think he needs to get a little bit stronger. I think at times he can be a bit passive on the offensive end, and that's not a bad thing. You don't want a guy just out there to, to chuck shots every 10 seconds he's on the court. But I think if he can get a little bit stronger, that'll help his mid-range game and getting all the way to the rim a little bit better. And I think for a John Newman who had some knee trouble this past season at Clemson, now that he's fully healthy, getting him ready to play you know, bigger minutes on the wing, he fills a really important piece as a – potentially elite wing defender and a player with ACC level experience to help fill those shoes and provide a stopper against other teams. Cause you know, they're going to play some really good uh, wings this season. You know, they have to play Georgia. They have to play Xavier. They have to play against Houston's barrage of, of big wings that are physical and can score. And certainly Memphis's entire roster is wings. I looked at the other day and I was like, there's like one guard and then 20, 20 wings and a center. So I think Newman's going to be important. Uh, and then, of course, the two the two younger freshmen that are new to the program and Hensley and McGinnis going up a level, I think that'll be really important as well to get them physically ready to compete. Now, you kind of touched on, obviously, the new players coming in. Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact, whether it be a need as a big man or whether it be kind of energy off the bench or some sort of that out of the new players that are coming in? Maybe, maybe not a name that you would expect right off the bat, but who, who's kind of like a, a sleeper that you think would have the biggest impact out of, out of the newcomers after you've talked to them and kind of see what their plans are heading into next year? Yeah, that, that's a tough question. I, I think the possibility exists for A.J. McGinnis to maybe get more minutes. If he's able to shoot the ball at the level that I think the coaches believe he's capable of, he can play a couple of spots for you. And he's a player that really puts in a lot of hard work. And I think I could see more minutes for him there that maybe you'd look at if you looked at the roster right now. John Newman, I think, is likely to have the biggest impact because he fills a huge need in kind of replacing some of the minutes that they lose from Keith Williams. And then obviously with the big guys, it's, it's hard to say one will have more of an impact over the other because I think Cobol's like a, you know, a 12 to 12 to 17 a minute game player. Addo averaged around 27, 28 minutes a game. And I, I think Aguama was around that range too. So those guys will all play. Um, and I haven't even mentioned Victor Lockin because no one's seen him play. He hasn't played a competitive <laughs> game in a long time. But getting Rayfelt to work with him and getting him game ready, I think that'll be a big help. And then practicing against two, you know, a seven footer, a six ten guy, or six eleven guy, and then Oguama, it's like if that's not going to make you tougher and, and and see what you can do at this level because he's more of a finesse offensive minded player. All those guys bring a little something different to the table. So I really think 
for me, it's McGinnis and potentially Newman as the biggest impact this coming Wait, season. Did did Chad not send you out to Russia to check on Victor <laughs> when we were recruiting him last year? We we looked at flights, but the flight prices were just astronomical, and I couldn't get my passport in shape in time, so it just didn't work. You out. weren't allowed to leave America last COVID year. COVID restrictions, sure. <laughs> I've got connections all over. I could I could have gone anywhere I wanted to. It would have been no problem. All right, no problem. <laughs> Based on what I know, it took to get Victor here. No, you couldn't. <laughs> I, I believe there were international treaties violated in getting Victor Lockin to UC. So I feel like there's a storage unit joke in there somewhere. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of there's a Russian there's a Russian there's a Russian gift somewhere uh, about about all this. <laughs> Goodness, yeah, I think uh, I think some people like that. But. So if we were to let you you know, put yourself in, in coach's shoes from the conversations that you've had um, or listened to with the interviews and just kind of a semblance of everything that you've put together and you're trying to build out rotations. What do you think your first rotation, your second rotation would look like if you were trying to just play the role of coach Wes Miller here in this, this, this little fantasy world that we're going to live in? You know, you're kind of hearkening back to that starting lineup in, in the middle of May thread on Bearcat Journal. That's just like way too soon. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a it's a tough question to answer. But here's how I'll put it to start. So people have commented on the fact that Miller didn't really play anyone at UNCG more than 30 minutes a game. So I think you're going to see nine to 10 guys play 10 plus minutes. So I think at the point guard, you're going to see Mikey, Mikey Saunders Jr. And, and David kind of split roughly, you know, 22 to 18 or 2020, or a little bit of variation there, depending on who's got the hot hand. In that um, order? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. I don't know who's going to be a better fit because, I mean, he, see, he hasn't got them on the court yet. So to, well, to really gun, say. Gun to your head, if you're, if you're building out your, your one and two rotation. Right now, if I you know, gun <laughs> my head, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mike's gonna start at the one, and David's right. gonna be yeah off like the it. bench. Um, I think Mike is likely to start at the two, Newman at the three, and then Mason's kind of interchangeable a little bit at six four to be able to play both spots and also be a secondary ball handler there with McGinnis getting minutes as well, and then Davenport I could see sliding down to get some minutes at the three, but he could potentially start at the four because of the mismatch he presented. If you put a more mobile big man next to him like Ado or Rim Presence or Oguama, you can kind of get away with Davenport there versus some of the lineups last season. And then I think Corval is going to get, you know, 12 to 15 minutes as a backup five man. And then Oguama is going to get a little bit of time at the four when Davenport slides down to the three. And then depending on things like foul trouble, you know, Hensley's going to get some minutes here and there. Um, and then Lockin, you know, might take him a little bit to get up to speed because he's missed so much time in, in terms of live playing. So between him and Banks at the back end, I can't see them getting a ton of minutes early on. Um, and then of course, you know, obviously if anyone, if it happens to anybody, if there's a foul trouble or I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anybody with, you know, what you have a lot of experienced players that have played college basketball that can potentially step in there. So I'm, I don't think I left anybody out of the rotation mix there. Did I? Thanks for playing my little game. I appreciate yeah. it. I know that that was wildly out of your comfort zone. <laughs> you tried to evade it seven different ways. You know, I got two kids. I got a dog and a cat. I got a giant <laughs> house. I don't know where anything gets the time. So I can, I can kind of focus down when I need to. <laughs> so so three-point shooting was was a big key to the last regime you know it was it was one to get up a lot of shots run a gun kind of kind of get going it it seems as if this next year could have some lineups where two bigs not really anyone having too much three-point you know ability if you will 
if you were to, to have Odie and, and Otto on the court together? Do you think that's something that might happen, or do you think he's going to that Wesley will try to have pair of shooter with the big or something along those lines? I mean, I think I think in terms of he's been a coach long enough. You know, he's he's been a division one coach for ten years now. So I think just based on lineups and situations. So you know, they have a return game this year against Georgia, and they played a very small lineup last year. So you're not going to play. We saw what happened last year when you had Rapalus, Ivanovskis, and Chris Vote against Georgia's lineup in the first few minutes of that game, and just wondering why would you do that. So I think in the right circumstance, you could see those two share the court together. And one other thing is. Oguama and Otto aren't the kinds of players where you need to kind of force feed them the ball in the post. I mean, Otto will finish around the rim a little bit. Oguama can finish over his shoulder when he's deep, but he's not going to, you know, not going to shoot threes like Koval would. Um, so those guys are going to set screens and try and hit the offensive glass. So I think the rebounding and the defensive rim presence and the shot blocking will help kind of offset maybe some of the shooting because it seemed like last year the team really struggled to rebound on both ends against, you know, Houston, obviously, and, and the matchups there and against Memphis as well. One of the things I feel like I noticed uh, both during Brandon's time here and even, you know, some of Mick's later years is I feel like uh, Cincinnati has largely had the speed of the game dictated to them. Do you see that as something that is going to continue or are we going to finally be the team that's dictating the speed of the game with the kind of guys that you're seeing Coach Miller bring in? I mean, I know he wants to he'll adjust his defenses you know, based on what the other team is doing, but I think he's going to be the kind of guy that wants to dictate pace and have his team be more aggressive, especially on offense. You know, his teams were no more for their defense and rebounding a little bit, I think, at UNCG. But this is, you know, he also has to adjust to a new league, new coaches, players he doesn't really know. So I think early on you might see, I don't want to say more tentative, it's like early on in the season, you're not going to show all your cards because you're still kind of feeling things out. You're not going to show all your tricks and like exhibition games and some of the first few games of the season. So every team wants their coach and their team to be able to dictate how the the game is played. Of course, that favors, you know, the the team you have if you're playing the way you want to. So he's got to figure out rotations and see what works and see who plays well together. Because, I mean, some of these guys have obviously been around for, you know, in college a long time. There's no there's no true freshmen that are going to be, you know, playing this coming season. They haven't played a minute of college basketball yet other than Lockin. So these guys have all played college basketball so that might speed things up a little bit in terms of how they get off, you know, what kind of start they get off to, but then also seeing what the schedule is like as well. So the, the past four seasons, Wes Miller has had Isaiah Miller and then Francis Alonzo at UNCG, just two very high usage players, uh, players with the ball in their hands, kind of create on offense quite a lot. Do you see a player like that on this team? Do you think that's going to be David to Julius, or do you think it's going to be kind of, Wait until they get out on the court in, in the next couple of weeks and kind of see what, what he has and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to have to see what he has because I think with David last year, he almost played too many minutes early on. But when you had a couple of true freshmen around David, he was kind of needed to play heavy minutes uh, early on in the last this past season. So I don't think he's going to play 30-plus minutes very often just based on the depth the team has. So I don't – I mean, the, the only high-usage player I could think of on offense would be Davenport because he's a player – that really stretches the floor. And if he's getting a, a lot of his minutes at, at the you know four spot, power forward spot, he's a mismatch for most players because he can extend that to three-point line. He's a very smart player. And, he you know, he shot a high volume, but he made a high percentage. And I think he would be the guy that would stand out to me as a potential high usage player. I think David could have a much better shooting percentage season if he plays a little bit off the ball and isn't so heavy in terms of his usage in terms of dribbling the ball. Because I feel like he got away from that a little bit. He played – he might – benefit from playing a little more off the ball as he did 
towards the end of last season when he opted out and then came back and was kind of playing alongside Mike Saunders Jr. What player or players even do you think will benefit most from having what we believe is going to end up being a packed full house fifth third arena? Uh, because I mean, you, I, I think of how much Davenport did from that freshman to sophomore year. And if you throw the energy of a full fifth third in there, like him going on, I, I, there was one play in particular where he just drove through right. I think there were two defenders drove through down the middle of the lane and ended up with the Tomahawk, like I th- towards the end of the season. I just wondered like what that would do in an actual full arena for this team, especially as they, they gel together. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mason Madsen and, and Mike Saunders Jr. never played in front of the, really the Bearcat fans. So I think Mike's speed and ability to get into the open court, I think would be a big benefit to him getting a steal or getting a driving layup or drawing the defense and kicking out for a, a three at a key spot. He'd be a, the kind of player that could really benefit from the fan energy. And I think Mason Madsen's going to be a fan favorite based on the way he plays on both sides of the ball. And then Davenport being a local kid, I mean, how do you not have the fan support with the season he had and everything he's his him and his family have gone through since the season ended. So I think those players, and then certainly I think David, I, I feel in, in everything that happened in the last couple of months, David DeJulius, and I, I believe um, Coach Miller pointed this out with when he was on with Chad a few days ago on the, on the uh, Bearcat Journal podcast presented by the Holy Grail. Can't leave that out. Um, <laughs> that this this will be the fourth coach that David will have played with since he went and entered college. He played for John Beeline, Jawan Howard, John Brennan, and then this will be his fourth season. He's playing under Coach Wes Miller. So all of that is just so much to really wrap your head around. And, and these are the kinds of players and kids where they didn't have the normal college experience. And he had been in college. He had had that. Mike and Mason, not only did they not have the fans in the arena, they didn't get to go to classes and interact with other students and just do the normal college stuff that freshmen get to do when they go to college. So I really feel for these kids and having talked to them from the recruitment to when they went to Cincinnati, having their you know state, t- state tournament runs cut short due to shutdowns, I'm really happy for them to get the opportunity. And now that they're coming back to Cincinnati, I'm super pumped for Mason and Mike and all the players to play in front of the fans and for the fans to be able to get back there because it's such an intimate venue and same thing with the football stadium and, and, and they're going to have some quality teams, you know, both programs have great staffs. So I'm super excited to get down there. I might come in September with my family to catch, check out the zoo and, and some other stuff and whatever other recommendations Jeff general can make to me. <laughs> I mean, you've got to come. It's, it's, it's part of your contract with Chan. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> now that things are starting on that, but I, I like you bringing up David Julius because, you know, I, I look at him as kind of uh, a player that really, when, when your shot's off and you're kind of in your head with that, it kind of affects your whole game. We saw a couple of games, you know, Xavier early in the season, uh, Temple game, obviously, where he went off for 26 points. He seems like kind of that player that, you know, that alpha that can go and, and get you buckets when, when needed to happen. Um, I think that was kind of when, when things were dwindling down, when it came to, you know, the end of, of the, the scholarship allotment, who is going to be that player where you get the ball in their hands, top of the key. And you say, Hey, you know, we need you to get us some buckets. Let's let's it's go time right now. Because as you mentioned, Jeremiah Davenport, obviously a good shooter, not really quite the, the handle yet in his game where he can just blow by defenders. I think David DeJulius has that potential as we saw early in the season, then in that temple game with the floaters and, and different repertoire that he has in his offensive game. 
Yeah, I think David's got that potential in him. And certainly um, with the depth they're going to have this coming season, no real player stands out. Like in, in past seasons, you've had guys like Troy Copain, Jaron Cumberland, and uh, Jacob Evans, guys that you knew would get the shot late in the game. And that player doesn't really exist on the roster as, as it stands right now. So, uh, excuse me, we've got a special visitor here. Ah, yes. So, uh, yes. Hi. So, I think with I think with David, um, that potential is certainly there, and the fact that he's had you know he has so many year so many games under his belt, I think that will be very helpful. And I just think with David, if this is going to be his final season with the way last season went, he's the kind of kid that I think he really takes it personally, takes it to heart, and he's going to put in the work to make sure if, if he is put given that that spot and has to have the ball in his hands with the game on the line. He's not let that opportunity slip through his fingers. He's a real tough, resilient kid. Uh, haven't gotten to know him over the past year. Plus, you know, I, I really feel confident that he's going to have a better season. And, uh, you know, I, I just think the players getting the fresh start, you know, when they roll the ball out, uh, when they start practicing workouts, you know, there's no preconceived. No, this is a new staff. They're bringing in some of their guys, but I don't think they're the type to just be like, okay, you're my guy from here. You're going to start. Guys will have to earn it. So whoever's going to be that player at the end of games, I think that person's going to have to earn that spot and be the person to say, you know, this is going to be my role to take on the game's on the line. I want the ball in my hands, you know, let's go. Now, as you talk on new roles, Kyle Washington has, uh, has, he's come back into the fray apparently, and uh, Mm -hmm. he's going to be serving as a, as a GA as coach West Miller has alluded to. So what do you think he brings to the staff in his new role here and, and what he can do? Networking. One of, the, one of the things that I think is very interesting about Kyle is he was recruited by Cincinnati High School, went to NC State for a couple of years, played against Cincinnati uh, in college, and then transferred to Cincinnati. So when you look at the transfer portal, he's a kid. Uh, he's from Minnesota, went to NC State, went to Cincinnati, and then he played uh, professional for a couple of years. So he's a guy that can tell transfers and recruits, be like, I could have gone to a lot of different schools. I came to Cincinnati. I wanted to get into coaching and get a GA spot. I came back to Cincinnati. You can have success here. This is you know, this is what the program and the school did for me. And uh, you know, Kyle's very very personable, as, as Chad certainly knows. And I think you know everyone makes uh, light of that clip with him and Ali LaForce, which is pretty legendary <laughs> in most Bearcat fans' minds. So having a player like that as a GA who transferred to Cincinnati with the with the way the transfer portal works, that's not going to hurt especially since he was a big guy. And I'm sure, Chad, you can attest to this. He can easily teach all those flip shots and unconventional shots to any big man on the roster to really bolster their offensive game. Yeah, those are those are something that's easily teachable. Very teachable, <laughs> very teachable. <laughs> I, the funny thing is when you watch Odie, Odie has quite a few. He's right-handed, so it's coming from a different location. But Odie has quite a few of that that those little crafty right-handed hooks going – uh, left to right. So uh, him and Kyle might hit it off uh, pretty quickly. I, I think Kyle could help him out in that because it is such a weird thing. Like it's such a, you're either, you know, born with that or, or, or you'll never ever figure out how to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I saw so many coaches just wanting to pull their hair out on the sidelines, watching Kyle flip shots in on them. Um, but I, I do think, you know, because Odie has some natural ability to do that, I think Kyle could help him out a little bit with it for sure. Yeah, it's that little that little quick hook. Trebuchet. Golly. But uh so Brett, let's let's take a quick just look into 2022. Um 
don't really have to throw out any names, just kind of positions or what do you think the staff will kind of kind of target? It seems like uh, there, there are a couple of me heading into next year. How many scholarships are even opening up? That's the tricky part. It's like, right. how do you even know how many spots? Because you don't know if everyone that's on the team now that has eligibility up is going to be back next season. It's so hard to predict. So Potentially there's three? Here's, here's what I would say to that. If I'm a college coach right now, I'm always recruiting at least four. I'm recruiting for four spots because you're going to have guys leave. Like, you might not know what those four spots are going to be. You might not know what you need. But I'm always preparing for four. Right. Go ahead. Brad. I'd go. I'd say, yeah, I'd say, I'd say three to four spots will be will be my conservative estimate. And I would just say they they were they're looking at. Like I'm not sure. Like if, if David gets an extra year, would he stay? You know, would he play a fifth year? Since I would he stay? Do they need another ball handler, or point guard type? Because they're looking at a couple of those kinds of players. Um, and one thing that you have to mention is in 22 and 23 in Ohio and Indiana and Northern Kentucky, there's a lot of really really good players uh, locally. So that certainly helps. So I could see uh, a guard or a combo guard being in the mix. I think a wing makes a lot of sense just because you don't know, you know, with a player like Newman, he, I think he has potentially two years left. Um, but, you know, just having another wing because Davenport's not really a true wing. He's not really a four. And then, you know, recruiting the best, the best big man you can find. Um, and I think Cincinnati is going to look at the transfer portal pretty heavily just because the top, top players, are going to be recruited by the top school. So I think from the standpoint of, you know, top targets, you know, Paul McMillan's name comes to mind, Sean Jones, and then certainly, uh, you know, Leon Bond up in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, who's going to be visiting in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to be catching up with here soon. Those, those three players come to mind um, in terms of big man. I haven't gotten a feel for that yet. And then also I think coaches can go back in the road. Is, is it June or July, Chad, to see some wild Both. events for the first time? Okay. There's there's so going to be some there's going to be camps in June that they're allowed to go to, uh, and then there's three weekends of the the last three weekends in July they're going to be allowed out. Yeah, that'll be big, and then and being able to host recruits for the first time because when you look at Cincinnati's campus, you know you got the renovated basketball arena, you got the football stadium, you've got you know the players on campus. Being able to have visits is going to be a big deal. Getting getting to see the Monster Factory back in action, and just the way the, how how passionate this staff is, you know. Players haven't been able to visit in such a long time. To have that back would be great, especially, again, if there's a lot of good local talent. It's not that long of a drive for those players to come over. You know, I think Bond's actually taking an official visit in a couple of weeks to Cincinnati, and, and uh, you know, that's a big deal, too, because I don't know how they – I know there was a certain number. Was it was it 24, Chad, that schools could do up to 24 official visits every yeah. – like a two-year – So It's a two-year rotating, like, rolling window. That you have to be careful with it is what I would say. You have to be careful that you don't go nuts in June and host, you know, 10 guys and then potentially put yourself in a bad spot if you're not landing a high number of them um, yeah. because then you're going to want official visits for transfers and uh, you're going to have to be crafty. Now, one place that they are lucky here, Brett, is because of the proximity of so many of these recruits, you can get a lot of unofficials done with a lot of these guys um, over this summer. So uh, I'm still waiting to hear. I know they're, they're trying to work through. I know Wes wants to do a team camp and basically a team camp is um, Mick didn't like doing them. John wanted to do them, but because of COVID things kind of got screwed up. 
but basically you invite the high school teams of all your top prospects to come play on your campus in a tournament and you get to watch all of those kids, um, you know, compete. And that's something I don't know because of everything still figuring itself out through the end of the pandemic, uh, if they're going to be able to do it this year, but I would expect going forward, there will be a team camp, which, I think they'll use if they can as a way to get some of these North Carolina kids up here because, you know, Wes is going to be active in North Carolina uh, and then Mike Roberts uh, in Indiana and, and in the region around uh, here and, and a great way to get a lot of the kids up from Atlanta uh, and Georgia uh, from Chad Dollar and, and Andre Morgan. So uh, I'm excited because I, I love team camps. It just mix. Mixed problem with them was basically a, most of their recruiting was done on the East Coast. Um, and it's really hard to get a lot of those teams to travel, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours to come to a team camp for two or three days when there's so much great basketball played where they're at already that they don't really, you know, necessarily need to do that. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to Wes being able to get into those team camps. And by the way, Leon Bond might be the most bearcatty bearcat I've scouted in 10 years. Six, six can pass, tries to rebound literally every ball that goes in the air. Um, decent range. He's got to still continue to, to work his range out to the three point line, but he's got good form. He's got good mechanics. He shoots the free throw, uh, shoots free throws. Well, um, and just a guy, when you watch him play, you're like, this is how you see guys have played for a long, long time. Marquette is going to be really tough in that one because he's from Wisconsin, lives close to, to Milwaukee. Um, obviously, Shaka is going to go all out on trying to get him. But what I would say on Leon Bond is one of the first coaches to ever really pay serious attention to Leon Bond was Mike Roberts. And he couldn't get Archie to go on him. Uh, as a youngster, Archie wanted to see him this, you know, potentially this coming up spring and summer to make a decision. That decision would have been yes. Right. Because Leon Bond has been, I've watched five games. Leon Bond has been awesome in every game I've watched him. He, he even, even the bad game he had, he was really good. You know, it was a matter of shots weren't falling, but he did everything else that you would want, you know, a, a versatile Look, those guys are in high, high demand in college basketball. A six, 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 seven guy that can do everything and, and help your team defense, rebounding, scoring, slashing, playmaking. I mean, Brent, when you talk to him, ask him about his passing because that's what really like caught me off guard about him. And I talked to him a little bit after the first time I saw him. Um, and Roberts wasn't official yet, so he wasn't able to like contact him, um, for UC at that point. So that's why I wanted to wait a little bit to see how that relationship built and obviously setting up an official visit, it's built really well, but he said, because he was always bigger than everybody growing up, he learned how to like pass over everybody's head and learn the intricacies of being a really good passer because at the time he was so much bigger and now as everybody's caught up to him, he was like, look, it just, it, it's natural. I, I can, I just see the play. I see the ball, the man, I know where to deliver it. The kid can really re and to have that on the wing 
to go with your point guards and a system that is, is heavily designed on driving kick. Look, if I had to put, and, and it's early, and there's going to be a lot of names coming out in June and July that this staff is, has, is doing their research on now, and then when they get on the road and they're able to fully see them, that'll pop up. I would put Leon Bond at the top of their board because he just fits exactly what I think Wes Miller wants to do. And the fact that they set up an official uh, says everything you need to know. I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to be very, very stingy on offers. They want a Cincinnati offer to mean something. So they're not going to be Virginia Tech that offers every kid with a pulse. They're going to be, we are Cincinnati, and there's, we want it to be special that you get an offer. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leon Bond be that that first offer, you know, in 2022 for, for these guys because he is a perfect fit. So is, does Bond fit more into that big wing category or is he the stretch four category? Uh, well, he's not a shooter at this point in time, so he's not going to be a stretch four. So you wouldn't gain that advantage right. um, playing him down a position. And plus – he handles like a three, like he's got, he's got the ability to handle the ball. He's got, like I said, the passing ability, the vision, he can get in the lane and finish. He can get in the lane and pass. Um, he's a, for me, he's a big time three that when you have one of those guys on your roster, you instantly become a better team because you can just, you make life really tough for everybody else to try to play. You. I love Leon. In case you can't tell. Yeah, I'm about to say, Brett, Brett, this this is going to be a story that Chad actually sits down and reads from from, you know, front cover to back cover. So uh, best of uh, best of luck to you on that interview and the synopsis that you pour into that one. I'll have to make it a good one, I guess. And I'm going to, you know, Chad's going to be upset if I don't ask him about his passing and uh, all the other stuff. But I, yeah, I think that's that's certainly someone that stands out as a player that's getting a lot of attention because he's going to make an official visit in a, next month. So. I agree, and I, I like that strategy because I just don't think schools are going to recruit the same way based on the transfer portal anymore. And they'll recruit a lot of kids, as Chad said, maybe not make many offers, but by recruiting a lot of players, these kids go elsewhere, and then they end up in the transfer portal, and you've already got a prior relationship with them, and you recruited them a little bit. Maybe they took a visit, you saw them, whatever it is. That'll all help. And I just think the staff has spent so much time getting put together, re-recruiting the players that were in the portal, hitting the transfer portal now that the roster appears to be set barring any other uh, departures between now and the start of the season, they can start putting their energy into 22 and 23 and getting out on the road. Um, and, and that'll be exciting too. Cause I'm sure just like Chad was jump, uh, chomping at the bit to get back on, and cover some of these events. I'm sure the coaches are too, cause they they're just so used to it. And it's so much different seeing players live and how they interact and body language, how they accept coaching, all those little things that I know coaches look for when they watch players in these events. How crazy is it that Fifth Third Arena, newly renovated Fifth Third Arena? Now, Chad, you and I, we've obviously been there for games and whatnot, but it, it seems I've as if tickets, right? Well, but I'm I'm saying just just you weren't past, there last year. This is past season. I, I'm just saying it, it it is like a it is a brilliant toy that not a lot of programs have at their disposal. I it just seems crazy to me that not an entire recruiting class has been able to go to a game early early in the process, see what Fifth Third Arena is like, and then really have that as a tool for recruiting. I think that's something that really gets undervalued when, when it comes to, you know, getting 
getting players back on campus, having the ability to show them this shiny new arena and, and not new, but shiny renovated arena and really just how much dividends that's going to pay off. For sure. I mean, it's got, you got so much in, in the way of amenities now that weren't there before. And then just also the traditional history of the program um, in terms of just, you know, the, obviously the, the Bearcat statue is very, you know, they always show that, um, you know, the ESPN broadcast of Cincinnati games, you know, I don't get to go to the many games in person. So I always see the broadcast, obviously. And I just think the way the, the, the campus is laid out and uh, how they've really made progress in terms of upgrading the, the student athlete experience is really going to resonate and just, you know, just the energy and, and the passion, you know, with, with a lot of the players that are on the team, you know, obviously Davenport bleeds red and black, you know, but Mason and Mike, you know, they could have gone to other schools and they came back. So I think that part of it's going to be really big. And yes, and getting to see a game in a packed arena is going to be huge. A game against the, you know, in the game a couple of years ago against uh, against Houston, you know, the, wow. the sound after one of the most Keith Williams dunks, like you haven't heard that in, in over two years. So that's all going to help. And I just think when you look at where the league is going to, you know, Memphis won the NIT. They should on paper be a tournament team next year. Houston coming off a final four, they should be a tournament team. And some other teams in the league should still be pretty. I think UCF's going to be pretty good. You know, USF's adding some players from the portal, but they lost a bunch of guys. Temple lost a bunch of guys. ECU lost their best player. Wichita. I don't know how that middle – yeah, Wichita should still be pretty good. I think their best player declare, but could come back. So trying to just figure out what the league's going to look like is a bit tricky. But you're going to have some, you know, marquee games. And, and they're playing in an event in Kansas City in November that I'm going to go to, actually, which is about five hours for me. I think it's about nine hours for you guys. So having those things, you know, playing in big events and – and being on national TV and playing really good non-conference, but that, that's all part of it. Getting kids on campus is huge. I mean, that's, they have a lot to sell. I mean, a lot of arenas and schools don't have as much to sell as Cincinnati does. Well, and I would think, too, you know, all these kids that came over from UNCG, they've never played in front of an arena like this in their, you know, standard home games where the, the crowd's cheering for them. Uh, they've they've played, certainly played a lot of big games against, you know, ACC schools and what have you, but that's traditionally a their house um you know even a wake forest and a mississippi state you know home games there uh, the only one maybe who has a feel for that home crowd would be uh, uh newman coming from clemson so i think that's going to be a, a little different playing in front of uh cincinnati as opposed to you know just all the other schools where these other kids are coming from yeah and, and mississippi state and clemson and, and you know they're more football schools than basketball schools and certainly they have good basketball histories you know, Wake Forest is a smaller private school. So just a bit of a different feel there. I just think the energy that Fifth Third can provide is something that really comes through even when you're watching a, a TV broadcast. So to have that in person is going to be huge. And having a young, energetic coach, you know, Wes Miller's, what, 30, 39, 40 years old. So having that kind of energy at the top of the program, I think it's going to you know, kind of trickle on down. And he's got a pretty experienced but still younger staff, too. And just the other, other staff, potential staff members you're talking about are, are – guys that could uh, potentially develop into like, I don't want to say like a coaching tree, but when you look at the, the players, the coaches, and other people that could be on staff, you really look at the future down the road. If, if Wes does, you know, great here, you know, it's going to make this job even more attractive than it already was when he took it. As uh, the TV broadcast often says, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, Brett, we've kept you a long time. Aaron, are, do you have any of the, uh, 
mailbag questions lined up for Brett? Or I was anything? looking through the mailbag. I think, I think there was well, there was one for me. I think on there. Well, no, okay. there were a couple, but I think we actually hit all of them through the conversations that we had. I don't think that I'm leaving uh, any stones unturned here. Um, we're we're that good. I think I Brett mean, actually had a uh, Brett had a mailbag question himself that he didn't post to BBP. Oh, okay. Uh, it it had to do with uh, the conversation that we had on last week's BBP, <laughs> and it is uh, it is the fact that this this is how Brett worded the question. It is it is who would win the punt, pass, and kick contest, and why would it be Brett Stein? That's what he said would be the question if he had the ability to post it to the BBP mailbag. So, Brett, I you know you raised quite a lot of eyebrows with that one. Um, Wow, that's a that's a high high watermark to leave yourself on. You know, I want to get the whole football. I want to get the whole football team out there and all the coaches to observe this because I think they get a kick out of it and make it a make it like a charity thing or something like that to raise money for something cool and and just go at it. You know, I mean, the thing is, like, it's a it's it's heavily weighted to anybody that can kick. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I can. It's I can kick. Distance. I played. I I grew up playing soccer. Yes. So did so. I. I'm leaning harder into my shoulder injury. <laughs> yeah, you know, we could we could add one more category. We could think of something, kind of kind of make it a make it a little bit more of an even level field. <laughs> <'cause>, a race. <laughs> I mean, the last time I played soccer, I, it was in a league called Candyland League. So, uh, yeah, I definitely did not grow up playing soccer. But you know, if we did a race, I might I might stand a chance. Oh wow, race! I bow out of that one <laughs> i'm carrying a little extra weight right now but i'm still i still think i'm faster than aaron okay okay you do have some some much larger calves than i yeah uh-huh calves i'm, I'm in pre- i'm in pretty good shape i think I, how about a three-point contest or a free throw shooting contest what makes into that's basketball a, that's that's a different sport yeah but I, I shoot i shoot on an eight-foot rim every day so you guys would you know wouldn't be totally uh out of the loop there because my son has a he doesn't like to shoot in a regulation basket i feel like well, that's so just thinking outside the box it's like while you're at it taller than you <laughs> yeah yeah the, this uh, is brett just trying to stack the deck towards the things that he does on a regular basis because he has a son yeah he's right. subtle flexing right. here <laughs> he's, he's definitely I have two sons yes yeah well the yeah. one son's not quite old enough for sports yet it's true he's two the one son's still watching Coco Melon on Netflix and uh, different things of that sort. So that's a, that's always fun. But Brett, so tell me, do we need to add like a home run derby possibly? I think I could do pretty well in that. Sure. Pitching. Yeah, we got to find somebody to pitch. Okay. Well, but Jeff well, Gentle out here. He's, his son's a teenager. He plays, he, he does Little League coaching and all that other stuff. Yeah, Gentle, Gentle could probably toss, toss BP. Yeah. Okay. We're hey, all good ideas. Let's all start training, I guess. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> how about no? <laughs> no, well, Brett, Brett, anything closing? Anything uh, that we didn't touch on that you want to just kind of say before we wrap it up? I mean, good, good job today. You showed uh, you showed some knowledge that uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy to hear. No, I think we covered everything. Uh, I'm going to be putting out my own podcast here later this week, and I'll have a very special guest that I will announce to all my uh, all my followers on Twitter in the, in the coming days. The the growing Twitter following will uh, yes will to unveil. Always fishing for guests. more follows. Yes, oh. thanks, thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks.
Always. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, sir. Take, take care. See you, brother. Yeah. Brett Stein joining us, the uh, basketball recruiting, what do you call him, guru, guru. I guess. Somewhat. A aficionado. But Brett was good. Brett was good. Didn't go off the deep end. G gave us some good knowledge and insight. Uh, I think, obviously, it just further emphasizes the positive direction that this entire West Miller mojo is heading. So always great to just hear another voice say how great West Miller is and how hopeful the near future is. I concur. You concur. So, so something better beer face, better beer face from Chad. I can do one as well. I, was, I think I went a little heavy on the pour of that uh, four roses. Cool. <laughs> Took the first sip. That one got me. That's all good. That that means you'll have a nice pedestal to stand on for this GPS next topic. Lost. Oh my gosh, where where are you going? <laughs> the bathroom after I this was, drink. <laughs> I was actually looking up like uh, some stuff uh, on if I was going to be able to go to an AAU tournament through family obligations and radio obligations. Where's this where's weekend? This one? Oh, uh, the one I would like to have checked out is in Geneva, Ohio, which is five hours away. So I don't know that I'm going to be able to swing it. Yeah, because you've got the Indy 500 about, you know, 100 miles that way. So, no, I mean, the big problem is I, I've got radio uh, Friday and Monday. I'm in for Mo. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of throws a monkey wrench in what you're able to do. Like, I would miss all of Friday get up there saturday middle of the day you just wouldn't be able to watch a whole lot so you gotta right. it, it's one of those it's, it's risk reward time as you're making those plans reward. yeah so aaron i know this was a topic you wanted to touch on it is it is one that is relevant uh in just the entire country uh name image and likeness it is uh, gonna be something that is gonna be as fresh and as i would say have as much of a, an effect if not possibly more down the line as the transfer portal recently does. You said you've got some hot takes. You've got some strong opinions on this. I'm going to let you kind of take what you have been able to hear, uh, read today and kind of just your own personal views on it. Well, and I mean, I don't want to read the whole statement from John Cunningham today because it's a lot of lines, um, but essentially he just supports that the student athletes should be making money off their likenesses. Um, it, it's kind of cool to see him come out publicly as this is moving forward with the, uh, the house bill, uh, or I'm sorry, with the Ohio Senate bill with, uh, Anthony Gonzalez and everything that's going on with that, um, because it does kind of touch back to what Oscar Robertson and the, um, which O'Bannon brother was, I think it was Ed O'Bannon, um, that was involved with, you know, kind of suing, uh, the NCAA EA sports, all of that for using their likenesses on the video games back in the day, which is unfortunately why we don't have NCAA football at this point in time. Um, although it is coming back, uh, but until it's being, you know, released on the shelves, uh, I'm still holding my breath a little bit <laughs> as they work through things like this. But, uh, no, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot as far as what's going on currently with the student athletes. Um, I think that you're still going to see, unfortunately, um, you know, games like Madden, like, uh, you know, NBA 2K continue to use the likeness and get through it by offering the community downloads where people 
sit at home and create their rosters and then make them available for download. So you're still going to continue to have likenesses being used on those games to where no one's getting compensated for that because you've found the loophole of user created rosters. Um, but I think it does, it's going to be like, I'm just very curious to see as like how they actually split the pie because I, you're still going to have people calling for fair versus unfair as it's probably going to be largely dominated by your football and basketball men athletes or male athletes as opposed to you know female athletes or i don't know about that i mean you're still going yeah you're going to have your your standouts on a couple different things but i think the large majority of people who stand to make money on this i think are still going to be your traditional football and, and basketball males maybe i don't know there's a there's a growing brand through through youtube through facebook through twitter or not Twitter, but through Twitch. Like, I, I think there's going to be quite a few female athletes that break through. Absolutely. There, there will be some that, that stand out. I don't I, think, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think they're going to be outliers. I think okay. there's going to be a pretty good number of and female I, athletes that find a way to, to, to monetize this thing. I truly hope it's not the case where it's just the, the, the male basketball and football, because I think that there's plenty of opportunity here as they move forward to, brand themselves and to be able to do this kind of thing they haven't been able to do before well i think when like where you're right is like sponsorships like who's a car dealer gonna hire a car dealer is gonna hire desmond ritter right mm -hmm. over you know ilmari thomas which mm -hmm. is, you know isn't necessarily right but that's that i i agree with you in that aspect but I think a lot of this stuff in name, image, and likeness that we're going to see is we're going to see individual brands start to take off. And I think that's going to, to definitely trickle down to the women's athletics level where they're able to monetize and, and build brands based on that stuff. I mean, it, I, you know, it, this stuff is just starting, man. The, we are still so early. Like, here's what's crazy to me. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on, not in this, in this light, Aaron, but on the pardon the punctuation when yeah. I joined you guys last week, like if you, if you pay attention to like, to the, 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 the guys on Twitch that are making it big, mm -hmm. like the guys that are making a lot of money, what people don't realize those are those guys, most of them have been at this for six, years. seven, eight, ten 10 years. Um, you know, like. Everybody thinks like, you know, Ninja, who came on the scene, what, two, three years ago when he played with Drake. Everybody thinks, well, that guy just like popped up and all of a sudden became famous. Now, nah, man, that guy was grinding through like three different iterations of Twitch before it really became Twitch and, and building a community. And uh, like, I, I think that stuff, you're going to see such a different in such a different light as we go forward, because once name image, like there's no, you know, we've seen in the NCAA shut down, like, you know, uh, a, a swimmer that's had YouTube and built a following on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And now you're not going to be like shoved off of doing that. Well, and I think that's only fair that if you are, regardless of how you built your brand, like if you did it even through high school, because you got people doing it now in high school, even 
And if you're monetizing it at that point in time, why can't you carry that over just because you're an NCAA athlete? Why can't you take advantage of the fact that because you are an NCAA athlete to monetize your, you know, your TikTok or your YouTube or whatever the new platform is in two, three years from now? Um, you know, it just it's ridiculous that you have, you know, people going to try and go get a, a slice of pizza because they happen to be off campus wanting to get some food and they're not even allowed to be given a slice of pizza without potential ramifications. So it's completely at antiquated rule. I know it all opens the floodgates for a lot of um, other ways to tamper with kids that aren't necessarily with your school. And as we enter the transfer portal free agency anyway, like there's going to be some, some shady dealings that happened, but let's not kid ourselves. There's been plenty of shady dealings that have been going on with the NCAA for years and years. And years. Yeah. That, that isn't anything new. No. <laughs> that part's not going to change anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, you're now $500,000 signing bonus will be with the local car dealership. Just not just handed to you. <laughs> not just handed to you in a McDonald's bag. But I, I guess my question is leading into it. Like where, where had the NCAA kind of drawn the line, Chad? You mentioned the, the swimmer with the YouTube channel. Is it when you get to a certain level, they say? No, it's that well, you couldn't make a penny off of your name, image, and likeness. Zero, okay. zero point zero dollars. Okay, so z- you, you can't have so, subscribers. You can't have. Like basically, well, no, you can't monetize. And so right. basically on YouTube, once you get to around a thousand subscribers to your channel, you can monetize. And then that monetization is based on like how many hours your channel has watched and ads that are run and all. But you couldn't, you can't monetize. You couldn't make a dollar. They can't send you a check for a dollar because that is seen as profiting off of your name, image, and likeness. And right now that's, that's a no-go. That's no dice. Um, It's going to definitely get tricky in terms of making sure like you don't have, you know, a car dealership in Norman, Oklahoma, that's hiring somebody well above the the wage scale, which is what they're trying to establish. I think the NCAA is going entirely wrong about establishing these scales and establishing what this all means. But like, you want to make sure if this is the rate for a Bengal to come in and do this, that the rate for a Bearcat to do it is on the same playing field as, as what the rate is for the Bengal. Like, and that, that you're actually doing the work because this is where a lot of that got in trouble because, you know, like students, athletes are allowed in the off season to have a job. Right. So what was happening in a lot of places where, you know, student athlete gets job, quote unquote, washing cars at a car dealership. Uh, they show up for one shift a month and their check is $17,000. It's an exaggeration, but like, you get my point. Like, so they've got to figure out a way. The funny thing is the, the online stuff is much, is going to be much easier to govern than stuff like that. Cleaner money for sure. Well, because it's all that those scales are already set and they're based on your views, your members, your subscribers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the people that are paying for, your service like that's so is that where we see the next evolution of cheating the system building these banks of phones on a wall that are just hitting the the videos like a bot to just run up the like a a, no i mean like like not much of it not much of it is done on clicks anymore okay so much of it now is done on like subscribers and and like i said 
on YouTube. Like it's the, the, what triggers it is the number of subscribers you have. The money is based on the amount of hours, the amount of time that people watch your content, the percentage of like, do they watch, do they hit play, watch 10 seconds and stop? That's not nearly the same as if, you know, they watch eight minutes of a 10 minute video. Um, so the, that's the crazy thing to me is like the, the most clean way that a lot of this is going to happen is through social media and streaming and, and YouTube and, and things of that nature where it's going to get gray area is how much am I getting paid to do a commercial for, you know, Johnny's car wash. Yeah. Not, to, you know, sorry, not, not to, not to single out Johnny's car wash. Like they're going to do anything illegal, but like, <laughs> you know, but like that, that's the type of stuff that is going to be really hard to police and track. Um, as this all goes into effect. So there's a lot of layers to it. it you know, the, the NCAA is doing everything they can to play victim here. Can, can they require a student athlete to turn in their tax forms at the end of the year? I don't, I don't know that answer. Like I, I, I legit don't. I'm just um, curious. I didn't even know if that's some, a, a route they could go. I, I don't know. Well, they, I mean, they don't have. Well, I would think a lot of parents are claiming them as dependents anyway, not them making yeah, their own money. They don't have any like legal powers as an organization. So I don't know if they could demand that you do anything. You know what I mean? Like they don't have subpoena power. They don't have. Well, they demand like, that they, they, they can't make money. <laughs> so. right, right. They can do, they can do that. <laughs> and, and, and that's where it's not tricky because the demand is you make $0.0. Right. So it's going to be really interesting to see like how much, because here's the thing that like, that's crazy to me. The NCAA wants like they're begging Congress to get involved. And I don't think they're going to like the answer when that happens. Because I, I think I Congress is siding with the players. Well, because you've seen this whole woke culture go. Well, not even that. It's not, it has nothing to do with woke. They deserve their worth. If they have value, if they can make money off their name, image, and likeness, it has nothing to do with being woke. I think it's part of being woke. What? Yeah, it's because it's all it's a big fairness movement, correct? So with the student athletes, you got the universities making billions of dollars on the back of the, the backs of these that student athletes. With, that, that's that has everything to do with fairness, not wokeness. It's fine. I just hope we get Sensei Curtis back in full force. <laughs> Maybe a more clean version of the seven four crew and get a little money off of that song as well. Yeah. But I, Sensei Curtis did it wrong. His yeah. outlet was, was Twitter. You can't make no money on Twitter. That's well, why everybody, but, when they're, that's why everybody, when they're like, Chad, why, why aren't you posting anything on Twitter? And Twitter ain't cutting me no, no fucking checks. No, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm I'm saying you, you build, you build your name. And then you say, Hey, head, head over to my YouTube page. Hit subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> hit unsubscribe. Like resubscribe. Like. Yeah. Unlike. Hit like again. Swipe up. <laughs> swipe up. Swipe up. <laughs> but no, yeah, I I just think that it's it's something that obviously is heading towards the right direction, and it's something that you know I just think about all the hair, just way past due, and, and, and hair, you know, promotions and sponsorships that that a lot of players out there with with those long flowing locks could get. Prater. Prater. Tresemme, oh. Tresemme, 
Evan Prater, ooh la la, something along those lines. We'll see what happens. But no, I. This is why he doesn't do any type of <laughs> merchandising. I'm excited. You are, you are not in marketing or PR. <laughs> Thank God. I'm right up that alley, baby. I'm sales, sales, sales. But hey, you know, I it's something that that is needed. Obviously, I've written like three book reports on on college players getting paid back in like fifth you're, grade. You're still writing book reports? Like, in what fifth are we grade, doing? Fifth grade, <laughs> service projects? Hey, you know how it is. But anyway, I'll you use the six. Aaron, he wrote the same book report three times is what he's trying to tell us. He yeah. used the same book report in fifth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. The funny I, thing is not one, of those, not one of those teachers read from the first page to the last page because it ended up being <laughs> 49 pages when the requirement <laughs> was four. It looked like the John Brandon legal <laughs> filing, 66 you know, pages. You know, it said A, A, A. That's all that matters. But yeah, no, I'm leave think, me uh, alone. Right. <laughs> as long as it as long as it works out in the end, there we go. Annoying. That was be- that was better than mine, Aaron. I was looking for the right thing. You got the right thing. Sorry. Good job, Aaron. Annoying. Speaking of annoying, <laughs> speaking of annoying, something that is not annoying is the BBP mailbag. Let's wrap this up. Anything on there, Aaron, that we had to close the door real quick? Sure. Uh, a lot of this is uh, fun questions, and and most of them are uh, most of the other ones are directed at Chad. So we'll see how annoyed he gets. A how annoyed he gets. Oh, a a Ron, you're funny. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, who has more career collegiate dunks, Bobby Brandon or Brent Petrus? <laughs> These are your readers, Chad. To quote Bill Simmons. Uh... You know what? The, let, let, let's go back to the previous coach. You know what should have been a red flag? What is that? That his cousin was a major, major name in UC Bearcat basketball history. Did you, ever see Bob, did you ever see Bobby Brandon around? Did Never you ever see Bobby once. Brandon stump for John Brandon? I did wonder you, did, how much he even cares about the campus in general at this point because I haven't seen Bobby around in years. Bobby used, to, Bobby used to come around a little bit when Mick was around. Bobby was in, in town running training facility. He would pop in or be a, at least not, not as visible as a lot of other guys, but he was around some. He and, went to games we, too. Yeah, okay. I just we, haven't we, seen. We never heard a word from Bobby Brandon while John yeah. Brandon was the head coach. Yikes. Strange, strange. <laughs> I'm not saying, but yes. if you're I'm just saying, so I'll pick Bobby Brandon had more dunks than Brett Petrus. He certainly had more barbed wire rubs. <laughs> Any insight into the best? He had a better time in Australia too. And I, I also that. owned a Bobby Brandon jersey, so. But Brent Petrus has a great first name. I don't know. Any insight into the basketball schedule other than the games already known? Any teams no. floating around that could be added? You guys there's try been every week. There's been rumors, but nothing yet. When there is, I, I promise will. I will tell. I promise I will tell you. Pinky? Do we know why Jamar Butler backed out of his verbal? No. That All was right. before my time. Um. And did you know the name of the famous basketball player that was a walk-on for UC basketball and the coach that the famous, I'm sorry, the famous baseball player that was a walk-on for UC basketball and the coach that didn't know he was even on the team. 
Pat Cronin. Was it Sandy uh, Koufax? I believe it was answered later on, and uh, it was Sandy Koufax and Ed Jucker. And Hep Cronin. Was he really? Notice that when they posted all the pictures of the 1961 or 62 conference championship baseball team reunion, Hep Cronin was in those pictures. And he was around the basketball team, too. Very cool. Hep? Um, does Cap- That's how he got his wife, right? You guys never heard that story? His wife? Yeah. Hep Cronin, Mick, Mick Cronin's mom. Yeah. Lived, Mick's mom. Mick's mom lived as a youngster right in the outfield of the baseball field. Hep Cronin hit a ball in practice into their yard, had to go and get the ball from their yard. Sand on the door politely. Oh. And, their, and Mick Cronin's mom, Peg, answered the door. And that's I how was going to go. I was going to go a different direction, met. Brent. I was going to say it was his own little angel in the outfield. Oh, wow. I like that. That's, little angel that's in the how... outfield. Sandlot. We got I got to get that ball back. <laughs> kept, just kept saying that. Does that's, how, that's how Mick Cronin came to be. Does, <laughs> does, does Calchuk's knee condition reflect his addition to this year's availability or ship? Gary, can we please call him Victor Lockin? <laughs> Look, I get the Hogan's Heroes reference. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> I love that you even knew who Victor Locken. I love that you even knew exactly who it was. Who? Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, he's he is pretty funny with that though. Um, but but it is great, Mr. Victor Locken. Golly, gosh, holy cow, and just yippee! I think uh, Victor Locken is pretty excited to be a Bearcat. That's was awesome. that his Instagram post? That was his Instagram post today. <laughs> um, it seems every year you see has a lot of players that can't shoot. No, no, but here's the thing. Here's okay. the thing about Vic. I think actually what's happened over the past couple weeks helps Vic. Because yeah. now you don't have questions on the interior, right? Right. You don't need Victor Locken to be okay. a guy that can play 18 minutes this year. His development can just continue to come along naturally. Yeah, he can just he can he can just be a guy, sure, and and develop like normal players. And you potentially, you know, potentially, not potentially, you're going to lose Koval, and you're going to lose Abdullah. Down. Abdul. Yep. So you're going to need a young guy to come in. Well, how about if that young guy is in his third year in your program? Mm -hmm. So I think what's happened has really actually bought Victor Locken a little bit of time because now he can come in in June. He can spend time with Mike in the monster factory. He he can take a chance to work on his body and, and and really get ready, get that knee back to a hundred percent, see what he can contribute this year. And then be ready to be a guy down the road. So, you know, there was there's a lot of concern and, and unknown about Vic as all of this was playing out. Now that it has played out, I look at it and think it might have ended up being the best thing humanly possible for Vic as long as he stays bought in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because next season, like you said, Chad, the door is wide open. I, I, I mean, I'm sure... Wes just said, hey, I, I know you've seen the additions we've made, but look at look at the roster next year. So be available, be ready, 
heal up and just focus on just becoming the best you can be because next season, not not next season, but the season following, we're going to need big men. We're going to need them badly. I'm still really yes. curious as to what uh, Rayfelt can do with him once he gets his hands on him. Not to mention, like, what he can pick up from, you know, the bigs that we do have currently on the roster in his development um, compared to, you know, learning under vote. From talking to, to, to guys that played on the team last year, they love Vic. Like, they think he's hilarious, great personality, great locker room guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, 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 he's, He's a guy that everybody that, that was in the program really enjoyed having around last year. So I'm excited to see once he gets back here, like how quickly he gets up to speed if he can be on the floor. Well, well and Chad, and if, if the whole team rallies around you and has that, you know, that love for you and, and everything like that, that only boosts your personal morale as well. So right. that's, uh, that's going to be awesome to see. And as we've seen and since he got back to Russia, this mm-hmm. is a kid with a big personality. Oh, yeah. He's stand-up comedian. Yeah. <laughs> you know how hard stand-up comedy is? I did it one night, and I'll never in, do it again. In Russia, for that matter. Horrible. Where no one has a sense of humor. Yeah, and where he's going to come over and talk about – he was wearing a Cincinnati shirt while he was up there. Love it. Golly. So that's my Victor Lockin question. And can we just call him, like, okay, Hogan's Heroes was fun. I, I grew up – my grandpa and my dad watched a lot of Hogan's Heroes – funny show but let, let's just call him by his name please it seems like every year uc has a lot of players who can't shoot free throws what do you think coach miller can do to change this uh ben wright thinks himself that it's 50 percent technique and 50 percent mental uh i think you can recruit players that are better at shooting free throws oh and i think we've seen a lot of that already it's a novel idea look awesome. that it, it's it, you either it's one of those things like can it be improved Yes, somewhat over time, but you either have the mentality to go up there, stand by yourself, either rim and bang down free throws, or you don't. That's some guys, some guys are born. Look, look at, look at Keith. Keith as a junior was at 80%. Mm -hmm. Keith lost his confidence as a senior. He was at what? 60. I was below 60. I was going to bring up Mason who, who missed what one free throw his, whole senior year of high school or something crazy like that. And then last year, I mean, you saw him in the gym trying to figure it out after he missed a couple in a row. Mm-hmm. Maybe says a lot about the, the mental stuff that was going on with the team yeah. last year. Very they're, curious. Probably, they're probably thinking about the next sprint they were going to have to do if they, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm just saying coach, coach is going to make me puke. All right. So for uh for Chad, who are the top five guys to watch that are visiting for football over the next few weeks? Don't know yet. Can't tell you yet. Everything takes off June first. Let's not forget I think there's I think there's gonna be an event June first on campus. It'll be unofficial visits, I think primarily. The focus will be a lot of uh local guys, get as many here as you can. Until I have those lists, I can't comment on it. I well, mean I'm- I mean, in the, in the stuff that I'm covering for, like when I talk to the guys and we're, you know, been posting on bearcatjournal.com, um, it tells you when they're coming in for their official weekends. So you know that there's some official weekends coming up. I would Ooh. imagine at the same time, you're also going to have unofficials coming in those same weekends because. Ooh. Well, you're going to have camps too. Why waste the resources? So all that stuff's coming up. No, here. no, 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 no. Official visit weekends are just about the guys that are here on officials. 
like those they because there's a lot you can you can do on officials that you can't do on unofficials really i didn't know that yeah like you can like you 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 fly the entire family in you get to put them up in hotels um in the past on a lot of these official visit weekends they've rented out like the you know that restaurant at the diamond club for the reds they rent that out and go to dinner there if the reds are out of town Okay. They got a top golf. Like there's a lot on official visits you can do that you can't do on unofficial visits where you will see a lot of the unofficial visits is for camps um, where kids will come. If they are priority kids, they, most of the time they don't work out for me. This is a, a, a Chad thing, but I bet a lot of coaches agree with me on this. I want the kids that come to town and want to work out. I'm not sure about the kids that want to come down and just hang out during a camp and get, are you a competitor or not? If you're dinged up, if you know, if you you got a little injury you're recovering from or whatever, I get that. But if you're healthy and you come to a camp and you don't compete, I want a kid that's going to like, it's going to go out there and show everybody at that camp. Like that's why I'm one of their, that's why I'm one of their top dogs. You know, you know, something tells me that's not the only person that you're not the only person with that point of view. I, yes, but there's been a lot of guys over the year that the years that have come in. Uh, I remember Eric Phillips came to camp and didn't camp and Malik Van just killed him. (laughs) Just rode him all day about like, because when Malik came to camp, Malik camped. Yeah. Like, you know, it's something about that, that competitive fire mm-hmm. that you can't just come to a place where there's football going on for four hours and not football. Right. So um, it, it, I can't say that because I don't have the full list of who I, you know, if I tell you that right now, based on just like the guys that we know are coming for official visits, that's pretty easy because we've talked about all the names that are at the top of their board. Like the, those are all well-known. Um, until we really see and we start getting lists and we will, because that's what we do. We, we dominate everybody in that area of coverage and expertise. Then we can start getting into, these are the guys you need to watch. These are, these are, you know, the, the things that are serious and Aaron's doing a good job this month of catching us up on, uh, as many of those names as he can, can get his hands on, but look. I'll tell you this. If Aaron writes an article about this month, I'd keep an eye on him in June. Oh, Aaron's not guessing on this list. Aaron, are you guessing? Are you just randomly reaching out to to the high school football recruits? I feel feel like since I'm part of your, uh, your coaching tree, if you will, and you're not one to just guess you're, you're not, again, we go back to the spaghetti theory. We've come full circle. You don't just throw things against the wall and hope they stick. A lot of times you, have some pretty good knowledge as to where this stuff is coming from. You're teaching me the ways. If I throw something against the wall, I know it's going to stick. <laughs> I, I have tested the material. I have, I've given it a squeeze to make sure that it's sticky. I'll dente. And, and then <laughs> I throw it against the wall. Like that's the BCJ way. So he, here's a question that may be too early to tell. Of course, this is from UC Merck, but who do you think will have this more- is a good one. I who like do you think will have more? T- this is, I think, this is a very close call, actually. But who do you think will have more touchdowns, Josh Wiley or the defense and special team touchdowns combined? 
I want to go the second one. I think it's the second one too. And I hate to say that because I think there's I think Josh many... is gonna score a lot of touchdowns. I think he is, but I think there's also too many weapons this year. Right. To say that he's gonna just go bananas and have, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns. Here's the other thing. One double at Miami, one double A opponent, the American Athletic Conference. I don't think is going to be very good this year. I think defense, like I think defense and special teams, I think edges, John, I'll I'll go like uh, eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns for Josh Wiley, nine touchdowns for the defense and special teams. That's a lot. I know. I know that's a lot, but I think, I think this defense is going to overwhelm a majority of their opponents and you're going to see some touchdowns. I think I'll be surprised if they don't go double digits. Double because digits is oh, I mean, I that's almost one a game, Aaron. I, that's almost I, one a game. I understand, but you're also, again, when you play a team, like I don't think Tulane's going to be so bad this year. I think they're actually going to be an up and coming team. Um, I think Tulsa's going to have a pretty big fall off with Zaven being gone. I think their um, defense will still be good. Their offense is trash. I think I, you've, you also have, some of these quarterbacks that have been in some of these programs for the, the better part of, years, the better part like. of a decade, <laughs> right? Uh, between you know uh, um, uh, SMU and Houston, Memphis. Memphis. So I mean, there's there's definitely been a, a change of the regime, if you will, where Des is one of the the more tenured quarterback, if 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 not the most tenured quarterback in the. In the conference. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's a four like there's you can't do much better than starting every sure. game all four years. We just saw like two or three guys who had like five or six years under their belt. Yeah, but they didn't start every like Des is on pace. He's going to start almost every game his entire four year career. That's fair, but I mean, again, when you have six years under your belt at Memphis, that's that's wild. Like Ben Mock couldn't even get that, and he had so many injuries. Ben Mock was also part cyborg. I mean, he was a bionic arm. I get it. <laughs> I, I would have been real curious to see what he would have been able to do with that last year of eligibility if he would have been granted. Yeah, but but, uh, but you don't get much. But you get four years outside of super seniors with the COVID year. You get four years to to start and play games. And Des Ritter has not started what the UCLA game and the Memphis regular season finale. Right. Those are the only games in three years that Des Ritter has not started. I so think, yeah, he's going to be the most experienced quarterback in the league. I think though, when you when you go back to the the question and you talk about defense and special teams, even when the second team comes in during like some of these blowouts, oh, they're we, better than they're we, significantly better. My, than the other my entire first point team. is, we know how good this this second team can be. So you, I don't think you're going to see some of those late, but touchdowns. Break. Wait, no, we're talking about defensive touchdowns, though. right? Not I'm just going getting Josh the Wiley. pick. Josh Wiley in a in a landslide. You're going in Josh? a landslide. How yes. many touchdowns do you have, Josh scoring? Josh Wiley scored six last year, right? Yes. Guess how much defense the special team had? What four, three, two, two, two? Yes. How many did they have the year before that, though? I, I mean, I, I just think it's Sauce it's, had two. Right. The year before that. Wig had two, I think. I mean, scoring a defensive touchdown hard. is really hard. You also really have, hard. But you also and, throw in the special teams touchdowns. Yeah, so you're but, talking about punt yeah, returns, but they had, returns they too. had one kickoff return touchdown since the last one was 
Ralph David Abernathy the fourth. Has it been that long? Yes. Yeah. Well, last year they had one. Yeah, last year was was Trey Tucker, and before that was Ralph David Abernathy the fourth. I'm still going with ten for fun. <laughs> That's crazy. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot. lot. I think no you're lot. equating interceptions to touchdowns. I don't think that's fair. No, I think I they get. Josh Josh Wiley, I think that. they easily. I think because this defense is so much better than every offense they play, they're going to have a, a a substantially larger number of defensive touchdowns than normal. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to spread the ball around so much on offense that, but the thing is when you get in the red zone, I think Des is looking for Josh. Well, you also have Alec yeah. Pierce back. Yes. And you know, if you, if but, but Alec hasn't been a red zone or like a real red zone threat. He's been a, a over the top threat. What I was going to say, maybe that, he gets you, maybe he gets you to the six I and think then that, you throw the touchdown pass to Josh. I think that takes away some of the double teams that Josh was getting in the red zone. So that that which would give tip, Josh more touchdowns. Does tip the scale more in his favor? Yes, I think Brent, he finishes. I think he finishes. Brent, with you eight. won me over. I'm, I'm in, going Josh. In, I go Josh. I go Josh. Nine defense special teams seven. And in 2019, two returns by Sauce, one for Perry Young, zero punt return, kick return touchdowns. No one's thrown to Sauce. Defense and and then the year before, James Wiggins had one touchdown return interception. And then there was one Kamani Fitz scored a touchdown. You're going too analytical on it. I'm Which going... was a fumble in the end zone in the UCF game, right? Right. I'm going right. feel good. And I'm saying Josh ends up with eight and the defense ends up defense and special teams end up with 10. We're going to score 150 <laughs> touchdowns this year. It's fine. And the year before that, Malik Clements <laughs> had one pick six and there were zero. No more. And that was, that right. was the one. Miami game. That was the Miami game that he took in from yeah. three yards out. I can't wait to save the victory bell streak. I can't wait to readdress this after we're in the college football playoff with an additional two games and we get it when we clinch it on the last game of the year. Now, 2019, Josiah DeGuara had eight touchdowns. Yeah. I love Josiah DeGuara. Josh Wiley as a pass catcher is a better Josiah DeGuara. How, how about this? In 2017, here's one for you, Chad. Third-round pick, Josiah DeGuara. Tyler Cogswell had two receiving touchdowns, and the defense and special teams combined had one. You won me over, Brent. I, I'll go Josh with nine. I still think the defense and special teams gets a lot in 2021, but I'll go seven for the defense and special teams. That'll be fun. That 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 is one fun year right there. There's 12 regular season games. If they get right. a, the, you're talking about what point? Trey Tucker's getting two. Trey Tucker's getting two. Trey Tucker's getting two. We're He'd getting be a, the running for the Heisman if he a, got 150 touchdowns this year. <laughs> Tucker would be the running for the Heisman if he got two kick return touchdowns. I'm just saying, I've done it on on NCAA. I've done okay. it. Fair enough. Last question. Let's wrap it up. Last here. question. Power rank the away games this year based on cities to visit. Oh, baby. Oh, God. Well, Bloomington, I, I've never – I'll be, I'll be shunned for this. I've never been to South Bend. Well, default to the guy who lives in Indiana for these cities. Bloomington's okay. a fun college town. I've been to Bloomington many it? times. Bloomington's a fun college town. Brent, let's hear it. I've lived there for five years. 
<laughs> it's a fun guy. I didn't say I, that's why I'm defaulting to you. I know. It, Jesus. Okay. okay. And then Notre Dame Stadium, I, I hate to admit it, is a fantastic game atmosphere. Better than uh, Michigan? I, well, I mean, I, I grew up. Ann Arbor's awesome. as well. Yeah. That was a and, fun. Ann Arbor's hard to. Hard that to was play. a fun game to go. Right. But, I mean. A lot of good places to buy. Um, medicine. Yeah. Medicine. But, but you're throwing in, A lot of good places to buy vitamins in Ann Arbor these days. You're throwing in New Orleans, Louisiana, and Tampa, Florida Oof. in this mix as well. Um, if you're going to do just, just an atmosphere for the game and m- maybe spend the night. No, cities. Cities. Right, right. Bloomington, that, that day in Bloomington will be a thrill. And, and, and I tell you what, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce it here right now on the pod, and I'm so frustrated about it, I will not be able to go to that. It is what? the worst feeling ever. What? Know. My friend had the audacity. My You're friend fired. had the audacity to place his wedding date on the IU game. Chad, Ooh, does, that mean, you're fired. does that mean you're that fired. a credential just opened up? I'm thinking about You're not going to friend. the IU game? You son of a bitch. This Tell is not a friend. It. This is not a friend. You didn't Tell me you about can't it. be friends with this person anymore. Believe me, I the, the amount of time I've contemplated skipping the wedding is unhealthy. And uh, No, it's not. It's healthy. It's perfectly healthy. You don't schedule weddings in the fall, you dumbass. That's what That's, you tell him. Chad, here's, are here's you Chad, in the it gets wedding? even worse. Are you in the wedding? Yeah, Chad. Yes, Chad. It, Chad, it gets even worse. Are you the best man? Chad, it gets even worse. I can't go to the Miami of Ohio or the Murray State game. This is this is your your guy that you're paying the big bucks to. Oh, the big bucks, Aaron. Come on. So hey, here's the thing though. Going back to the question. Oh, I'm muted. Am I muted? No. No. Okay. Okay. Going no, we're getting to, all of this. Going back this to is, the question. This is this is unbelievable. Chad, you you want to know unbelievable? BCJ's hiring for the football season. Yeah. It is looking to cover the Bearcats this football season. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'll be back October 2nd, fully blazing. But uh, so. But you need September 4th, 11th, 18th, and 2nd off. I will happily give you the phone numbers for these guys at the weddings, and they will tell you, I'll listen here, mistress. But anyway, I'm not happy about it either. As far as the cities go, I got to say, however great it is, Greenville, North Carolina is last. I'm really sorry. That's fair. I like Annapolis. I had a good time in Annapolis for the military bowl. That's a pretty cool little downtown area. And you got both DC and Baltimore really close. Great eats. Chad, that really good food that lines up with the Baltimore Ravens versus Cincinnati Bengals game on Sunday. Ooh, Saturday Bearcats at Navy Mm -hmm. Sunday Bengals at Ravens. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a trip. Chad, that might jump. Pretty close to the top of the list. Let's double dip on the credentials there. But I'm not ruling it out. That's the week after my birthday. But I'm thinking New Orleans, Louisiana. It's hard to top a road trip to New Orleans. So that's your number one? No, no. no. My number okay. one, if you want to go experience a college atmosphere for a game, and it's going to be a big-time game, I think Notre Dame does beat Wisconsin. And I think that that will be a marquee, marquee game. That South Bend atmosphere, 
it's right up there with, with, with some of the best. I think that's going to be number one. Number two, I've got, oh, I've got IU. A little bit of homer there, but the tailgate fields will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. If it's wide open, if it's open, it'll blow your mind. I mean, mind. Are the pe- but are the people going to go into the game? Who? Yes, this year they will. Most other years, no way. In, in my five years at IU in Bloomington, I think I went to three games. That's what I've heard about IU is the tailgate experience is incredible, but yes. everybody – stays at the tailgate nobody goes to the game they have tvs yes. everybody watches the game from the tailgate lots to the point where the police kick you out of the tailgate lots when the game starts <laughs> trying to force you go into the games and then of course tampa tampa speaks for itself especially in yeah. november november everywhere else is cold yeah that's fair if you want to go be warm but and then new orleans louisiana i i mean there those are some great road trips right there is but there as far a- as college atmosphere for a football game goes Notre Dame's right there at the top. And then IU's going to be ruckus, especially if they beat Iowa in, in the beginning of the season. That'll be a top 15 matchup, and it'll be loud, crazy fun. For football people, is there a double dip on either uh, – on, on any of, I guess, the uh, the Colts or the Saints or the Buccaneers? Kind, kind of – I saw someone post IU, and that same weekend – it's at Chicago. I don't really see the connection. But IU is so close to home. Like, you, yeah. you just go to IU, you come back, you're home in an hour and 40 minutes. And IU is so far away from Chicago. It doesn't make any sense yeah. to go all the way up there. But, no, I think the only real not, connection not the is the, or, the Annapolis one. Not the Saints or the or the Buccaneers. They don't have home games either. Oh, well, oh, you're just talking just home games. Just, I mean, you, I if, you wanted to see, the Bengals. Yeah. if you wanted to see 50-year-old Tom Brady still doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I, let's see here. I, I mean, what? So that's uh, a game is November 12th. Maybe. Just just kind of curious. I'll look up the Saints while you're looking up the uh, – the But, no, I mean, it's this is actually one of the better, Chad. I think you'd probably agree. One of the better road schedules out there, I mean. Yeah, I mean, outside of Greenville because nobody yeah. wants to go to Greenville. But that that game two years ago in Greenville was that was a horror show. Yeah, but they won. They did at the last second, and then you have to go out in Greenville. (laughs) Not much going out in Greenville. What's what's the date on that Tulane game? Hard Uh, pass. Tulane is Saturday, October thirtieth. So you'd be spending Halloween in New Orleans. Oh, that might be worth. That might be number one. Who cares? Who cares what's going on? <laughs> and there, there, there is actually a game at four twenty-five. Saints Bucks. Oh, oh! But you get you get Brady Breeze maybe for the last after, time. Well, afternoon game. No, Breeze is already retired. Breeze retired or not Breeze? Okay, yeah. Sorry. You but get still, even you get, Brady and Jameis Winston. You get the four twenty-five game. So you're done by what seven eight. And then getting home on Monday would be, you're going to have to take Monday off. You wouldn't be coming home on Monday. You wouldn't want that flight. You're probably going to have to take Friday off to get down there. Like that's going to be a vacation. I would fly, which is shake off, shake off the voodoo that's on you that weekend too. Yeah. But, but Halloween, you get cheaper rates on Tuesdays anyway. Halloween. I would guess guess they celebrate Halloween on bourbon street on Saturday. Yes. On the 30th. Right. No doubt, yeah. Or at least that's going to be an all-weekend thing. Well, yeah, that's all number one. Thing. That's 30th. number one. Okay, that's BC, number, sorry, BC, no yeah, road trip. BCG road sorry, trip. 
Sorry, Notre Dame, you're at number two. Halloween in the French Quarter is After number one. Post-pandemic. Right. Yes. BCJ Road Trip. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end the show. Let's be excited about the BCJ the Road Trip on Thanksgiving. On, not on Thanksgiving. On Halloween down on Bourbon Street. Woo! 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 Yikes! Let's <sighs> find somebody to watch the kids and the dog, the kid and the dogs that weekend. That's we a might have that's to. A, Put the kids to bed early weekend. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. I'm not that gonna is... make that 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 Saints Bucks game because I'm sleeping. Like I'm <laughs> asking for a double late checkout. Can I get out of here at like two o'clock right. on Tuesday? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to extend my stay, sir. You have not left your bed in two days. <laughs> I, I think that's my closing topic for tomorrow on Cincy 360. What are the best Bengals and Bearcats road trips? Oh, this football season. You're welcome. Uh, let's let's give credit to who asked that question again. It was uh, LXA Bearcat 2011. Okay. Always love it. Always love it. Love well, it. That was a great end. That was that a great is. end. That was the most passionate any of us were through that entire podcast. Now I'm excited. Well, because we we come into the pod not really knowing what we're going to talk about. We throw Brett Stein late into the mix. He does a good Two job. hours later, here we are. <laughs> Aaron, you love saying that in such a little putrid voice which i love you're welcome that's why i love <laughs> brett wanted to come on brett wanted us to start the show at 8 45 i was like oh hell no i'm not doing this shit till 11 no i said not happening gotta come down to <laughs> or else or else well anyway look forward to it halloween down on bourbon street after a big bear cat win i don't think it'd get much better than that so well if, if Chad, chad and aaron you got nothing left to give i'm done we, i'm out we, we just gave everything we had to that Same. segment. Same. Look at look at the sweat stains. Everything you got. <laughs> Get everything you got. I left it all on the field. I like that. I like that. Appreciate that. Well, for good friends, Chad Brendel and Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young. Yet again, this was an exhilarating BVP on BearcatJournal.com. See ya!